welcome to the Soul Deep podcast, where we dive deep into the edges of life where the body meets the soul. Sharing personal stories of struggle and breakthrough, the guests on this show let us know what is up when it comes to healing, happiness, and new heights of pleasure. Excuse my Irish, but this episode was fucking amazing. Lindsay Lockett is a very powerful and empowering woman. She is the host of the Holistic Healing Podcast. And to be honest, I could just listen to her talk for like ever. She is a fountain of knowledge and wisdom and the perfect vision of someone who has radically transformed everything about their life and their way of being and believing after stepping outside of the norm she was born into, the echo chamber of cult-like dogma. Lindsay shares her story of growing up in a cult religion, evangelical Christianity, and finding a Netflix documentary that was her catalyst to the identity crisis that just pretty much changed her life for good. Netflix did it again. In this episode, we talk about stepping outside of cult-like ideologies from religion to toxic wellness, cancel culture, purity and perfectionism, and veganism, and more. One of my favorite bookmarks to this conversation was explaining and diving into the fawning trauma response. To fawn means to change or modify ourselves and our behaviors, our thoughts and actions in order to avoid conflict. So basically, you know, someone says, hey, that thing you did and that opinion you had, well, that was wrong. And this is what's right. And to fawn would be to quickly jump to, oh shit, yeah, you're right. Or, oh shit, I'm a bad person. Or I'm dumb. Or simply, yes, I am wrong. No questions asked. Let me change. Let me echo you. Let me mirror you. Look like you. Be like you. So that you accept me. It's basically conforming to anything that promises certainty. And, you know, in this case, the certainty is being a good person. It's a false sense of certainty. And this is a trauma response. And you know, another example is the certainty of heaven. If I pray to Jesus, I'll go to heaven and spend eternity there. This is a binary nervous system between wrong and right. And breaking through this is not easy especially when all you've ever known is this, wrong or right, good or bad, up or down, to try and break through and be in this gray zone is, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not what we know. But your body has all the answers that you need. And, you know, the soul communicates through this vessel, this body, this home. And connecting with our bodies is very much connecting with our soul. And again, I'm going to say it again, all the answers you need are within. Our innate knowing and, you know, with a willingness to accept truly who we are 
and what we came here to do and validate our feelings and be with our body and be with this experience can transform the uncomfortable to the magic, the dis-ease to the ease, the resistance to the flow. So without further ado, here she is. It is Lindsay Lockett, the expert of living authentically and just, you know, breaking through. Welcome, Lindsay, to the Soul Deep podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I have been so looking forward to this episode. And as pair, I would love to know what brings your soul to life. Oh my gosh, nature. That's the first thing that comes to mind. I lived in city. Well, I grew up in, in, in the country in Texas. I was raised on a horse ranch. So I was outside all the time. And before I could drive, I frequently found myself just like wandering out into the pasture um, and often my little brother and I would pack with this brown duffel bag that we had and we would pack it full of like random, you know, like a slinky and a ping pong ball and a bottle of water and like cheese. <laughs> and we, would, we would go into the pasture and we would just like hang out in the shade and walk around and we would, you know, toss rocks into the creek and whatever. And then I moved away from home and grew up and got married and I lived in cities and towns and neighborhoods until I was 31. And the whole time I was living in cities and towns and neighborhoods, I was like, I have to get back to the country. I have to live in a rural area somehow. And it took my husband and I 10 years of searching but in 2015, we bought a property in the woods in Minnesota, and I live in the country again. It's not the pasture of Texas. It's the woods of Minnesota, <laughs> so it's a little bit different geographically. But um, just the ability to look out all of my windows and not see traffic or a bunch of cars mm -hmm. or a bunch of other homes or apartments or and the ability to just like literally walk outside my door and go into the woods and be by myself into the woods, like being in nature absolutely makes my soul come alive. Yes, yes, yes to all of that. And you've been having some crazy weather where you are at the minute. Um. <laughs> yes, it, it, it was so weird. Like two weeks ago, which was mid-April, mid it was nice and sunny and all of our snow melted away and it was amazing. And then in the last four days... We've had rain, snow, fog, mm -hmm. and where my my grass is totally green right now. And two days ago, it was covered in snow. Yeah. And then with, within like 10 hours, it had all melted away. And then the next day, it was covered in snow again. And then it rained and it all melted <laughs> off again. So uh, my body is so confused about what, yeah. what weather it is, right, what season it I is right now. I don't even know. <laughs> I know. Uh, honestly, the one thing that I love about living in those kind of places is that kind of relationship you have with the weather and how I always find it's such a such a similar nature to how we are within. And I just love that mirror. I love that mirroring effect. Um, and I am definitely in alignment with your answer. I grew up on a farm, middle of nowhere. I'm currently living in a city and I'm really feeling the like, oh, the closure with um, with the COVID and everything. Um, but anywho, 
incredible answer. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about you. So you, from my perspective, is you are a very empowering woman. You share a very bold content on healing and upgrading your mindset. And you also talk about cancel culture, another passion of mine. And, you know, your account is right on the top list for for me when I need a kind of like serotonin hit when it comes to living authentically up there with you know the likes of Africa Brooke and Clementine Morgan and I, this is why I'm so stoked to have you on here um for our listeners Lindsay your face is like ah but I genuinely mean it um I mean I feel like I'm about to pass out right now like that <laughs> honestly like to be like I like you with Africa Brooke and Clementine Morgan it just like makes me want to just rip my headphones out and like go dance outside <laughs> or something I mean it's that thank yeah. you thank you so much your ego's like woo girl settle down <laughs> um, no honestly I do mean it um and you also have a very incredible and inspiring podcast called the holistic trauma healing podcast love it sister um absolutely adore it you talk about moving out of the role of victim and into this more empowered um, embodied version of your truth to kind of live a more authentic life and um, this is very on par with the kind of work that I do and the kind of content that I'm like fostering. Um, I loved your episode on, on uh, childhood trauma and, you know, why you don't need an, an apology from your parents. But what I would really love to know is a little bit more about you. So I want to know about your own journey into this kind of holistic healing and what's, what motivates you to do this kind of work in the first place? Well, I think probably anyone else who would be in the same position as I am would probably have the same answer. And it's that I, after going through a dark night of the soul and experiencing crazy anxiety growing up in a religious cult, um, being sort of the victim of many or two really cult-like dogmas, not really thinking for myself, um, not really having the tools to deal with normal life hardships, mm -hmm. you know, like the, these things that we call trauma are really just part of life, but we are so ill-equipped to deal with them, you know, mm -hmm. and so they get stuck and stored in our bodies. And yeah, I hit 35 years old and like literally went through midlife crisis and um, it was so hard, but now I look back and I'm so thankful because it really was the, the push that made me go from living this life of sort of being a victim, being chronically negative, but telling myself I was just a realist, um, being like disempowered, not living authentically, being afraid to mm -hmm. speak my truth, um, being afraid to ask questions, afraid to stand out, like all of these things that I was afraid of. And then, you know, I hit that 35 year mark and went through my midlife crisis point and have been rebuilding from that ever since. And so once you've gone through that and come out the other side, for me, there it's not like I came out the other side of it and was like, okay, now I'm going to live authentically. Now I'm going to speak mm -hmm. my truth. Now I'm going to heal holistically. Like it wasn't like that. It was like, once you've come out of something like that, 
how can I not live authentically? How can I not speak my truth? You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm just, I'm just like, I've got truth tingles all over me. Like I, I know exactly what you mean. You genuinely at a certain point that like, you, you don't actually have a choice anymore. Like when the soul, like you come forth, the, the truth is realized everything about your DNA is altered and you, you just simply cannot exist in that way anymore. And the thing is, if you do, if you do try to let those patterns run, you feel so ill and off kilter and like your body rejects it. And it, I, I definitely, I feel that. I feel yeah, that. Yeah. For me living that way, the way that my body manifested it, I mean, sure, I've dealt with chronic pain and I've dealt with pelvic issues and I, I've dealt with various physical ailments, but the way that it manifests for me is just like my body sort of goes into this like dissociative state where I'm mm -hmm. trying to look like I'm busy, but I'm not really doing anything that matters, you know? And it's like, I sort of flit from one thing to the next, to the next, and not really feeling like there's purpose and not really feeling like there's meaning to what I'm doing. And then I get in bed that night and then I wake up and do it all over again. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like that, mm -hmm. that's what it was like for me. And then in the last couple of years, like really healing and stepping into my purpose and stepping into just living from an authentic place of my truth and using my voice, it's, it's like, you're right. You literally don't have a choice anymore. It's, it's not something you decide. It's something that it's coming out of you and you don't, you don't stop it anymore. Whereas before I stopped it because I didn't, I didn't even know who it was, you know, and it scared me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like thinking about your journey. So you had this like crisis at 35 where you, were you living in this like cult up until that point or? No. So I was, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, um, go for it. Okay. So no. In, um, so the short version of my story is cause we could have a whole episode of me just telling my life story and that would take I know, right? like all day. <laughs> but so the short story is, is that I was raised in the evangelical church in the Bible belt in the South in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I grew up going to Southern Baptist church. I went to vacation Bible schools. I was involved in the youth group mm -hmm. beginning about the age of 12. I went to these things called disciple now. And there was a big push for, purity culture then. And there was this sort of curriculum called true love weights. And so we would sign, you know, we would go to this like weekend long event and there would be a lot of music and a lot of teaching and, you know, cool graphics and t-shirts and like hats and all these like swag and, you know, all this stuff to make it feel cool and relevant mm -hmm. and like modern to my seventh grade life. And then at the end of it, there would be this like big wave of emotion that was elicited by music and like altar calls and all of that. And, and at the end of it, you signed a pledge. It was literally a little card. It was like the size of a credit card that you could keep in your wallet or your purse. And you signed this pledge where you vowed to remain a virgin until you were married and you vowed to not think about sex or talk about sex or look at pornography and you vowed to keep your body covered so that other people wouldn't look at you and sin. And so that was starting like from the time I was small, you know, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And and I'm at 12 years old, I'm like signing a pledge to God to 
preserve something that I didn't even really understand or have education about what it was I was preserving. I just knew that sex was bad. And if I was going to have a good marriage when I got older, then that meant that I had to keep myself sexually pure and chaste until I was married. And Mm -hmm. so then I got married at the age of 19. Um, My husband and I were both virgins on our wedding night, if you can believe it. Uh, We made it. And um, so we got married. We had kids right away. So I had two children by the time I was 22 years old. Um, And and crazy enough, we're still together, my husband and me. We've been together for 20 years. (laughs) What? Yeah. And, and, and I always, from the time I was about in seventh grade, I, uh, genuinely wanted to grow up and I wanted to be a pastor's wife. Like it was, it was my goal and my dream to marry a pastor. And sure enough, I did. And he was a worship pastor. So he was a musician, which made him even hotter to me because, (laughs) you know, all girls love a good musician, right? (laughs) So, um, yeah, so we got married and, and we're raising our children according to the Bible and we're in the church. Anytime the doors were open, we were very involved in leadership always. And then, um, my husband became a full-time worship pastor, um, and we were very involved in the church. And when you're in the leadership in the church, it's like the standard placed on your life is so much higher than the standard on, you know, just the normal, quote unquote, normal people in the church. And so you have like all of these eyes watching you and people like if you see somebody in a restaurant that you know, it like maybe I don't order a glass of wine because the person from the church is sitting at the table over there. And if they see me drinking, they might think that I have a problem or they think that I'm like, what else am I doing that God wouldn't smile upon? You know, it was just all of this like performance and perfectionism and fawning, so much fawning. And um, yeah, so in 2014, I was folding laundry one day and I dumped the pile of clothes out on my bed and decided to watch Netflix while I folded clothes. And I just randomly turned on, I think it was in my recommended whatever in Netflix. And I randomly turned on a documentary that was called The Bible Tells Me So. And I thought that watching this documentary was going to further cement what I believed about gay people because the documentary was about gay ministers in like the Episcopalian and Lutheran denominations. And so I thought, because I was raised to believe that homosexuality was an abomination and that that homosexuals were going to hell and that if you prayed, God could forgive them and they could be deconverted and um, all of these things. And so I was prepared for this documentary to just like further cement what I already believed. But instead it did the very opposite. And by the end of the documentary, like I was just, my mouth was wide open. And then my husband got home from the church that evening. And I was like, you have to watch this documentary with me. And at first he didn't want to. And I was just like, no, please watch this with me. And he did. And his mouth was wide open. And for like six to eight months, the two of us were just like grappling with how how do we question our beliefs when we are in the leadership in the church? You know, like we're the ones that people are looking to for how to live and what to believe. Like we're supposed to be role models. And yet every day when you come home from the church, we're like reading books and walking doc- watching documentaries and having conversations questioning the very faith that we represent and receive a paycheck for, 
You know, like this was our source of our only source of income was my husband's employment as a pastor. Wow. So that started in 2014. And eventually we resigned from the church um, because we couldn't justify receiving a salary for it anymore, just with the way that our beliefs were changing. No one in the church knew what we were doing in our free time at home. Um, we left without drama. It was actually a very, I'm really proud of the way that we left that church and how we stepped out of ministry. And then we moved away and um, lived in another town in Texas for about a year. And that's when we really started that deconstruction process, um, just having the time and the space away from all of those people and the ability to like not go to church on Sunday if we didn't want to, because we weren't being paid to be there was really, really freeing. And then we moved to Minnesota in 2015. And that's when things really, really, really accelerated. And um, it was it was definitely not easy, but it was like I always use the the comparison of like if you're if you find like a, a bunch of thread that's like tangled up, you know, like in a sewing box and it's just all this mm -hmm. tangled up thread. What we were doing for like three to four years was like taking that knot and like one threaded at a time, pulling mm -hmm. pieces apart and unraveling and untangling that knot. And it, you know, Sometimes it was harder than others to get something untangled. And then sometimes you could just yank on something and it would pull right out because, and, and it was just, yeah, it, it just started this rabbit hole of in, with the documentary in 2014 of like, if this is what we've been taught about gay people is wrong, what else have we been taught that's also wrong? What else have we believed that isn't true? And turns out there was a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, so yeah, when I was, when I was 35, I, I had already totally deconstructed my, my faith and I had actually deconverted as well. So I'm no longer a Christian. I'm no, I no longer identify with any religion at all. I also don't identify as agnostic or atheist. Um, and that, that's a whole nother part of my story. I'm a very spiritual person. So by the mm -hmm. time I deconstructed and deconverted from Christianity, it seemed for a while like I was going to end up at atheism or agnosticism. But every time I sort of sat with that label for myself, it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I really missed the spiritual aspect of having faith in something, even though I could no longer put my faith in Jesus and God in believing that the Bible is the inerrant literal word of God and in the way that that religion condemns, you know, hom homosexual lifestyles or uh, trans people or um, the way that that system upholds capitalism and patriarchy and colonialism. I just, I couldn't identify with that anymore. I had to like shed that from my identity, but being an atheist or an agnostic wasn't where it was at for me. So mm -hmm. I'm a spiritual person. I don't subscribe to any sort of religious beliefs at all, but I am a very, very, very spiritual person. And um, yeah, by the time I was 35 and had this sort of midlife crisis, it was like I had unraveled everything from the knot, but I hadn't unraveled myself. Does that make sense? Like I had unraveled. Oh, yes. I guess you were like in this oh my gosh, you basically like debunked all of the patterns, all the inherited set of beliefs. And then you're kind of left with, well, well, who am I? Like, what, what the fuck is this? You know? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it was. And 
somehow miraculously my marriage stayed together through all of this. And I was also parent <laughs> parenting my children wow. through all of this. And it was very, very difficult. But by the time I lost my shit when I was 35, that was in 2018. Um, yeah, it had gotten to this point where I had deconstructed everything, right? And, but I hadn't rebuilt anything yet. And mm -hmm. so the the crisis for me, the midlife unraveling or midlife crisis for me was the realization of like, okay, I've taken everything apart about what I believe, but I haven't taken apart myself and I haven't deconstructed like myself and why I am the way that I am and why I respond to things the way I respond to them. Why do I react the way that I react? Why do I have this constant knot in my throat? Why do I like... It, that was where I got to in 2018 when I was 35 years old. And, and since then, for the last three years, it's really been putting myself back together. And as we talked about earlier, putting myself back together in such a way that not being authentic is not an option anymore. Holy shit. What a journey. Quite literally, holy shit. Um, that is absolutely incredible, Lindsay. I didn't actually know the extent of your journey, obviously, but wow, that's, I just, yeah, can't quite fathom how, well, do you know what? I kind of can, because it all makes sense now, like why you are and, and the way that you are. And it's so, it's so inspiring. There's so many things that's kind of come up for me and I'm, I'm just going to like bite at them. But um, the first one that kind of came up for me, especially whenever you were talking about um, like stumbling across this documentary and realizing like all the kind of lies um, and the, you know, just ingrained um, homophobia um, within sort of religion and all this kind of thing, it, I, it constantly brings up anger for me. And, you know, like I'm, I'm still doing a lot of anger work and, I, and like I wonder in that process, did you have anger come up? And, and if so, you know, how did you deal with it? In the beginning, I would not say that I had a lot of anger. I think, I think I was so overcome with, because you have to understand growing up the way that my husband and I grew up and living in the South in the Bible belt and being leaders in a church, being pastors, like, that was our entire lives. And we learned very, very young in, in our journey with Jesus and with religion through Sunday school teachers and our parents and Christian books and Christian movies that we would read. Like it was indoctrinated into us constantly that you don't question the word of God. You don't question the teachings of the church. And so I know early on in my life, like probably before I was 12, I would have questions about things, but I learned from watching what was going on around me that other people who asked questions got reprimanded or they got shamed or they got shut up or whatever. And so I learned, okay, we don't ask questions. So when I watched that documentary, I was, I, th I guess I was 30. So I watched that documentary when I was 30 and now I can look back and I can say this. I definitely didn't have this realization at the time, but I can look back and I can say I was 30 years old and 30 was a big year for me because I, I knew when I turned 30, for whatever reason, something shifted inside of me. And when I turned 30, I finally felt like an adult. 
I finally felt like what I had to say mattered. And like, I knew something, you know, even though I had children and like had been married for over 10 years by this point, like for whatever reason, 30 was like a magical age for me. And I absolutely love being 30. And I think that it was, I finally had this ability to question something and nobody was going to shut me up if I didn't share it publicly, you know, like my, I knew my husband wasn't going to shut me up. He was, he was a safe person. He's always been a safe person. And then of course, like we had to leave that church and leave that town. And then I found other safe people and I was able to like be much more vocal about my mm -hmm. questions and express my doubts much more openly. Um, but I think for probably a couple of years, the first couple of years into that process, it wasn't so much anger that I felt. It was more just like, I couldn't keep up with the amount of doubt that kept coming into my head and into my body because I mean, this was like 30 years of doubts and questions that I'd been shutting up. Right. And mm -hmm. so I didn't really have a chance to be angry because I just had so many questions and so many things that I wanted to unpack and unravel from that mm -hmm. knot. Yeah. But yes, the anger eventually came when, as I said, I had unraveled the whole knot, but I hadn't unraveled myself yet. Mm. The anger came whenever I realized how much of me had been lost during all of those years. You know, it was more like I felt a lot of grief for how I had believed about homosexual people before. I felt mm -hmm. a lot of grief for even how I had voted in past elections. Like I fucking voted for George W. Bush, you know, like I felt a lot of like grief over that. I felt a lot of grief over like, I didn't know what I was doing when I didn't know any better, you know, like there was, there was a lot of that going on, but the anger came in when I was like, because of this, I don't know who the fuck I am. And like, because of this, I have to figure this out and and it sucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it really sucked. And I mean, of course, it, it does make me angry that like the church teaches homophobia and it teaches transphobia and it teaches racism and it teaches capitalism and patriarchy. Like, yes, that makes me angry now, but I wasn't angry then because I was just, I had so many questions. And then yeah. I was angry about what it had done to me. And I actually think it's a, a holy thing. And I'm saying holy, like H-O-L-Y. Like, I think it's a holy thing to be able to see how something has affected you and be angry about that first before you're angry and upset about how it's affected the rest of the world. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of what's going on right now in our world is there's a lot of people being really angry about what's happening out there, but they haven't unpacked what's happened inside of themselves. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you've literally like guided, guided this conversation right, right where I want it to go. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> literally like the thing about anger and like, it's, it's something that came up for me whenever you were speaking. It's because I relate to it quite heavily. And I, I can totally see how this whole like life experience that you've had is is why you've come to this place now and why you're doing the work that you're doing and a lot of it concerns this cancel culture and there there's so much aggression there's so much aggression in 
cancel culture. And I think because it's a bit of a buzzword at the minute and there's lots of um, conversations happening about it, there's still a lot of misconceptions. And for the most part, what I've seen online when people start talking about this is they're really narrowing um, where this applies to. They're talking about things, um, you know, exclusively to like racism or homophobia and and trans rights. But cancel culture is, is literally in in so many pockets. And in all of these pockets, there is that anger. You know, in my journey, um, you know, I I experienced the whole like Catholic uh, way of being, um, you know, young age Catholic school, all this kind of thing. And that um, purity culture being ingrained in my my brain from a young age. And then I later found veganism and my patterns of uh, perfectionism and purity played out there. And then, you know, I, I did this whole like reclamation of becoming pure and then like not having sex, like after having lots of sex and like all this kind of thing. And I just see how cancel culture, it finds itself in, in all kind of communities. And the main thread is this anger where it's not channeled, it's not harnessed, and it's not expressed in a helpful way. And you're right, because what's happening is there's so much projection. And really where you need to start from is, is from within. And like, so I would, like, I would really love to talk a little bit now about the cancel culture in, in general and why this is so harmful to the, to the mind, the body, the spirit, the soul, the psyche. And, you know, talk about the way in which we can actually channel our anger. Because I know whenever I became like, for lack of a better word, woke to cancel culture. Um, I had so much anger and I, and I also didn't know what to do with it because I knew that it was part of the problem. So I did a lot of surrendering, a lot of letting go. And, and then I had this almost like elevated experience where I was like, huh, I'm just, you know, going to live my life as if I'm already canceled and I'm just going to practice radical acceptance and being authentic and doing whatever the fuck I want to do, you know? And, and I think this is such a perfect example of the way you're living. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So first I want to say, I don't consider myself an expert on cancel culture, but what mm -hmm. I do consider myself an expert in is cult-like ideologies. And so whether it's veganism or fundamentalist religion or being fundamentalist in your politics or whatever cancel culture i mean yeah that's the trendy thing that we call it now but like this idea of when someone doesn't conform to the ideology that we conform to in the way that we think they should conform to the ideology means i have the right to call them out air quote, hold them accountable. And that's supposed to do something to make them comply or come back into the ideology or whatever. Um, this happens all the time in evangelical Christianity and has been happening all the time in Christianity for hundreds of years. I mean, what do you think the Spanish Inquisition was? 
You know, it was people who decided that these people over here aren't doing Christianity the way that we think they should be doing Christianity. So we're going to go after them and we're going to feel, I mean, what do you think the crusades were? You know, like, because you're not living this ideology, this belief that we believe is the truth, the way that we expect you to or want you to, it is our duty to come after you and to correct you. And in the case of the Spanish Inquisition and the Crusades to literally murder you. So, um, you know, we call it cancel culture now, but it's this idea that we somehow have possession of superior beliefs and that others who don't align with our superior beliefs um, need to change in some way. Mm. It, that is, can, that is what cancel culture is, you know, but it's existed mm -hmm. for a long time. And yeah, cancel culture, it makes me, it makes me fucking angry, like big time. It makes me fucking angry. And I also hold space for the fact that the people who are involved in cancellations and online call outs and, you know, holding people accountable again, and air quotes and all of that, like, the people who are involved in that, they are also angry at me and at you, you know? And like, I, I, I have to hold, I have to be able to hold that complexity in my brain, even though it doesn't make sense. But I don't think that I would be able to recognize the behavior for what it is and have compassion for it if I had not also come out of a fundamentalist ideology well, two of them. <clears throat> so the first fundamentalist ideology was obviously evangelical Christianity, but the second fundamentalist ideology that I've come out of is what I now call toxic wellness culture. But it's just this idea that, um, you know, if you eat a certain way or restrict your diet in a certain way or take certain supplements or follow certain protocols or have certain healthcare practitioner or whatever in the natural world, that you will attain like the fountain of health and wellness and mm -hmm. everything will be fine and you'll heal your gut and everything will be great. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, but there is no amount of kale or vitamin D that we can take <laughs> to like excavate the trauma that we have inside of us. Like we, we can't out supplement that. You know what I mean? Great. And so I definitely adhered to that ideology. I was a health coach for a number of years and I definitely like counseled my clients to restrict gluten and dairy and supplement with large amounts of vitamin D and go get acupuncture. And I'm not saying any of those things is bad, but I'm just saying like such, it's such a limited view mm -hmm. of what actually a very complex thing. And, and so I, I am, you know, I'm, go, I'm undergoing an active cancellation right now. I've had an account who's been after me for about three months. And <laughs> this account has uh, called me out in a list of names as being part of the pastel alt-right QAnon. And it literally is as ridiculous as it sounds. What? I've never heard of that. Oh, well, I, I won't tell their name uh, publicly because I am committed to not displaying the exactly. same thing they have displayed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have, I've been called a member of a, a leader, actually, like a cult leader in the pastel QAnon. Oh, excuse me. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, you, I am. I'm really a big deal here. <laughs> you know. And so anyway, but like, 
the ridiculousness of that to me is that I spend so much of my energy and my work now helping people identify cult-like ideologies and start to think for themselves and heal from the damage and trauma caused by these types of ideologies. So to then for somebody to turn around and say that I'm like a part of this cult and a leader of this cult is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And it does make me very angry, but at the same time, like I, I have to hold space that that's how this person feels and who am I to invalidate their feelings. Yeah. But I know who the fuck I am and exactly. they don't get to tell me who I am. I'm my own moral authority, you know, 100, and 100%. And yeah, as far as, you know, what we were talking about earlier with, with the way that we project and we call out things in others before we've even like been angry at how things have affected us. Like mm -hmm. the work is never out there. Mm -hmm. The work is always in here. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what the work is. Anti-racism work, it's not out there. It's in here. Mm -hmm. I mean, and yes, we need legislation and stuff that promotes equality and, and, and all of that. But you can't legislate compassion. You know, yep. you can't legislate love. You can't legislate unity. And that is what cancel culture, no matter what you're being canceled for, whether it's not being a good enough vegan or not being a good enough Christian or not being a good enough woke leftist, whatever mm -hmm. you're being canceled for, it's because people perceive that what you're putting out there, what you're doing on the outside isn't up to standard. But really, the work isn't about what we're doing on the outside. It's about what we're doing in here. That's where we heal is in here. When we heal in here, out there heals. Mm, I know this is a juicy episode, my friends. And if you're vibing, go ahead, take a screenshot, upload it to your story, and tag Soul Deep Podcast so I can see. And if possible, leave a review on whatever platform you're streaming from. This really helps the podcast grow, reach more people and connect like-minded souls. And if you want to go even deeper, become a Soul Deep patron for as little as £1.11 per month, where you'll get access to exclusive Soul Deeper sessions with the guests on this show, where we spill juicy tea and give you free love, guidance and advice. Search Soul Deep Podcast on Patreon and join the community. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And literally, you're giving me so much life. Like what I'm like, it's just, it's just balance. Balance is screaming at me. Like we are in a human experience. Oh, I don't know what that was. Sorry. Um, we are in a human experience. And, you know, it's, it's this kind of thing, this seeking of perfection when it doesn't exist. And like this, this whole kind of conforming and, and just not actually tapping into your soul, who you are, what you came here to do, and just losing, losing yourself underneath the blanket of narratives that and beliefs that's just been thrown upon you since the second you were born, you know, everybody loves to call themselves an individual. 
but you know what what about you as individual you know what I mean like there's so much of us and our DNA in our life that is just simply inherited and you know like one thing that I find and that I've found in my journey that I think is is so damaging about cancel culture is you often find whether it's in politics or lifestyle choices like wellness or like veganism or whatever it is that a group of people get together who share a type of trauma and such you know people may have felt outcast in their family or in a in a separate community so here you have a community who finally you know to a certain extent understand one another there's solace in there there's understanding there's acceptance but then uh, above all of this is the overarching I- ideology of of what they believe to be right this kind of binary of what's wrong and what's right and then you know through this people develop self-censorship and you know how how damaging that is to someone's expression because they're constantly censoring their their actual expression from a place of fear and then how quickly does that turn into censoring others and it's you just lose yourself in in the kind of mob you know you totally do yeah you absolutely do and what i don't think a lot of people see and again i have the unique perspective of having come out of two of these different ideologies and for me when you've come out of one of these ideologies say you were raised in fundamentalist religion like you and I were. And so you've had somebody telling you your whole life what to do, what to say, what to think, what to wear, what to believe, like what you have have done with yourself and what you've believed has been determined by somebody else. And you've been following along because that w- that's what you were supposed to do, right? Is it, it promises us this like false sense of certainty, you know, like for example, if I pray and ask Jesus to come into my heart and I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, then he will forgive my sins and I will spend eternity in heaven, right? Well, that's just a perceived sense of certainty. It's not real, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm also not accepted by the community, as you were saying, unless I do X, Y, Z, pray and ask Jesus into my heart, read my Bible, go to church, you know, or whatever your other community is, post a certain way on social media, um, go to protests, you know, say certain things, use certain hashtags, whatever the ideology is, anything that's a fundamentalist cult-like ideology, it's not unconditional love and acceptance. You're only loved and accepted as part of the group when you comply and conform to whatever their rules are. And let's be honest, for this like woke leftist social media, social activism nonsense, the fucking rules are changing every five minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. At least least in evangelical Christianity, the rules have been mostly the same (laughs) for a long time, you know, but this is like, it's just like, it's a circus is what it is. But there is no certainty, but our nervous systems, especially if we grew up with trauma, even if, even if we had happy lives at home, if we were raised in fundamentalist religion that taught us to deny ourselves and somebody else told us what to believe and do and think and say, um, you know, we lost our authentic selves in all of that. And our nervous system, the only way that it could survive in that type of an environment 
was to be dysregulated and to learn how to live in a trauma response. And for a lot of us, that's a constant fawn response. And fawning is the trauma response that Pete Walker talks about in his book, Complex PTSD, where you change and modify yourself to avoid conflict. And mm -hmm. that's what we see in all of these different ideologies, whether it's fundamentalist veganism, fundamentalist religion, fundamentalist politics, whatever it is, is that people are not allowed to show up and be authentically themselves. They have to constantly change and modify themselves to fit in mm -hmm. with the ideology. And if they don't, then they're a black sheep and somebody points the finger at them and somebody calls them out and somebody corrects them and somebody quote unquote holds them accountable because literally by us being our authentic selves, we are a threat to those ideologies because those ideologies do not encourage authenticity. They encourage compliance. And mm -hmm. you see what I mean? So it's, it's so, it's very, very complex as everything is, but a traumatized nervous system is a binary nervous system. So when we have complex trauma from childhood and we grow up, we have this activated, dysregulated nervous system state, which is our norm. That's what's become familiar to us, even though it's not healthy, even though it's, it's, it's dysfunctional and dysregulated, it's still our norm. And so our nervous system feels safer there in chaos than it feels in peace. You know what I mean? And so we are like, um, these ideologies create this chaos because we're constantly having to conform and change ourselves. Like, okay, I believe this. Yes, I'll say that. Yes, I'll use this hashtag. Oh, it, another black person was murdered. I better post on social media about it. Even though I have no idea what's going on. I don't know the story. I don't watch the news, but I'm expected to post about it because this is what you do. Like that is not living in authenticity. That is living in a trauma response of fawning because you want to fit in. You want to be part of the community. You don't want to be rejected. You've seen how other people have gotten called out and by God, you don't want that to be you. So you're hyper vigilant about what you say and do and you censor yourself and then you start posting and, and believing and saying what everyone else is saying. So you're not being uniquely yourself. You're not standing out in any way. You're just like getting in line and you're conforming mm -hmm. in the same way that everyone else is conforming. So then whenever somebody like me or Clementine or Africa or you comes along and we are like, fuck that. <laughs> I have an original thought. Maybe I have an original thought. Maybe I'm going to share my original thought. It pisses people off because it doesn't conform because we are not in line. We have stepped out of line. Mm -hmm. And that paints a big fat target on our backs because we're actually thinking for ourselves and we're not letting somebody or something else tell us what to think and do and feel and say and believe. We're doing it for ourselves. And I'm actually working on a workshop for this right now because I believe that people who come out of developmental trauma, who have these traumatized nervous systems that are very binary nervous systems, are very easily lured in and susceptible to these binary ideologies. So their nervous system feels safe in knowing this is right, this is wrong. I can't handle the complexities and the nuances in between. That's too, that's too much for me. I need to know, tell me what to do, tell me what's right, tell me what's wrong. 
And so the, you know, they, they grow up after growing up in dysfunctional childhoods, they grow up and they get to adulthood and veganism comes along and they see, okay, I'm looking for something to tell me the right way to eat and the way to be healthy. And this is telling me that it will, and I'm going to change myself, right? I'm going to modify myself. I'm going to fawn for veganism and change who I am and what I want and what my body might need and what my cravings are. I'm going to change all of that because this is what the ideology has told me. It's told me that eating meat is bad. It's told me that um, it's not healthy for me. It's told me that I'm killing innocent animals, like whatever it's told me, I'm buying into that. I'm believing it but it won't accept me if I eat meat sometimes. It only accepts me if I vow I'm never ever going to eat meat again, right? Yeah. So if you've been a vegan before, you know what I'm saying. So Lindsay, I feel like you're reading my stars. I feel like (laughs) I'm getting... I feel so called out right now. Like you're just narrating my past, but keep going. <laughs> I'm not trying to call you out at all. I don't believe I don't believe in call outs. <laughs> no, I know, I know. This is this is absolute gold. Keep going. This is the this is the episode I wish I heard when I was 21. Oh, amazing. That that makes me feel really honored. Um, yeah, so we conform, we comply, we fawn, which is changing and modifying ourselves to avoid conflict. And the conflict is the conflict we feel within ourselves because now we have these opposing, it's like, but my body's craving me. I really, really want a cheeseburger. But then the ideology is over here. (laughs) You know, it's like you've got your shoulder angels. You've got like the one shoulder angel over here who's like, you're craving a cheeseburger. Your body needs B vitamins. Your body needs protein. Like (laughs) your ancestors have always eaten meat. There is no traditional society on earth that has ever existed that is predominantly vegan ever in the history of ever. (laughs) And then you have the other shoulder angel over here who's going, if you eat meat, you're going to be banned from the group. Your people are going to find out that you're craving meat and you're not going to be a good vegan anymore. And you're not, you're a bad human. Yeah. Right. You're a bad human. And how dare you even think about, you know, killing and eating an innocent, an innocent animal or whatever. So you've got your two shoulder angels like going on over here and your own like voice and your own inner knowing sort of gets lost in that whole process. And you can take what I just described and you can literally apply it to any ideology. You can apply it to religion. You can apply it to like fundamentalist educational models, philosophies, politics, um, woke leftist, whatever it is. I wish we had a better Mm -hmm. name for that. I feel like I use air quotes every time I say that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it, it literally applies to anything. And for me, I was in fundamentalist evangelical Christianity and I grew up in that. But then as an adult, I also got into this toxic wellness culture and I became a certified health coach and I had a food blog and I was telling people how to eat. And I was, you know, advertising like the whole 30 and paleo and like all these different healthy recipes. And I was into like, you better buy your food organic and you better buy it from a local farmer and you better do this and you better take this supplement and this brand of supplements and try this practitioner and this protocol and blah, 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 blah. And so many fucking rules, right? So many rules to follow. And you're not part of the ideology unless you comply. And so I was swept away by that too. So even once Mm -hmm. I was done with religion, I was still in this like wellness ideology very, very much. Like both feet firmly planted in this wellness ideology. And then I hit my midlife crisis. And as I said earlier in the episode, like I had been picking apart all of these different ways that religion had affected my life, but I had not yet unraveled myself. And when I unraveled myself, 
what I discovered was that my nervous system was so traumatized that I was easily lured in by anything that promised me certainty because I was so uncertain about everything because of trauma. And so religion had promised me certainty about my eternity um, mm -hmm. and about my forgiveness and wellness culture had promised me certainty about my health. Yep. And it took a health crisis in the middle of eating healthier than I'd ever eaten and taking like $400 worth of supplements every month and seeing a naturopath and getting acupuncture and all these things. I was doing all of that and then had a health crisis. <laughs> and I, was, I'm, <laughs> go ahead. You go, you go, you go. <laughs> that was when the light bulb like went off and I was like, it's not adding up. Like I did everything I was supposed to do and I'm having a health crisis. And the thing that was wrong with me, this was the other like irony of ironies. The thing that was wrong with me was nothing that could be fixed with diet and supplements. Nothing. <laughs> I'm just crazy. I'm crazy. I was, <laughs> I was diagnosed in 2018. Part of what was wrong with me was I was having these physical health issues and I was having all this anxiety about it. And I was like, but I'm already eating gluten-free. I'm already eating dairy-free. I'm already taking all these supplements. I'm already seeing my naturopath every month. Like I was doing all the right things. And what I had, the health crisis that I had was all this pelvic pain. And I ended up being diagnosed with pelvic floor dysfunction. So I needed physical therapy. I didn't need to eat fucking gluten-free. And I had pelvic congestion syndrome, which is varicose veins inside the pelvis. And I oh, needed gosh. an operation for that. I needed coils in my pelvis to close off my pelvic veins. And I actually went to London and I had that surgery in June of 2019. But no amount of kale was going to fix that for me, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't even need therapy for all of that. I needed it afterwards for sure. Mm -hmm. But like, so, but this this midlife unraveling that i had part of unraveling myself was seeing how my nervous system was so binary that anything else that came along that was binary was like a magnet to me like i aligned myself with it now i didn't align myself with everything that was binary um because there are certain ideologies like right and wrong that i'm just like i'm not even into that you know what i mean but if it came along and it sort of like hit even a little bit with me, like I would identify with it and I would learn more about it. And then pretty soon I'm like believing it. And really it was, everything was binary. This is good. This is bad. This is the truth. This is a lie. This is healthy. This is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. This is black. This is white. Like it was all this binary stuff. And so what I realized, and this is what I'm working on a workshop with is teaching people that if we're not going to be swept up by fundamentalist ideologies, we have to do the inner work on ourselves. Mm -hmm of expanding our window of tolerance, of expanding our nervous system's resiliency and flexibility. Mm -hmm. And then the next time a fundamentalist ideology comes along, we can sit with the discomfort of not knowing if it's for us or not. We can sit with like the ability to ask questions and use our critical thinking skills. Yeah. We can, we, and even if we choose to like, buy into the ideology even if being a vegan sounds good for example like it comes along and and it's like okay yeah cool i could be a vegan mm -hmm. well you don't have to be a fundamentalist vegan you know like you don't have to shame other people who aren't vegans you don't try to mm -hmm. convert all of your friends to veganism <laughs> you know you don't have like there you can still be a vegan and not be a fundamentalist 
cult like vegan, you know, yeah. you can still be into social activism mm -hmm. and not be in the cult of woke leftism. Yeah. And this you is can even be religious and not be a fundamentalist religious person. Yes. Yes. This is authenticity. And this is, this is no longer running out of fear and like running out of patterns. And I relate so hard to your journey and to everything, everything that you've just be so beautifully kind of wrapped up in that, in that whole explanation. And I'm definitely going to need the details of your workshop to, to link <laughs> below. But, um, but yeah, I just, I find it so interesting as well, because it's definitely something I relate to with the constantly, you know, constantly out of your awareness, looking for a kind of container in which you can run off these patterns. But our ego is very, very clever. And, you know, we'll convince ourselves like, oh, you doing this for you, boo, you know, raising your vibe and like up leveling your mindset and all this BS. But you're not you're you're just running on patterns. And I think one thing that's been made very, very clear to me that is to realizing that this is happening is when you find yourself questioning the container that you're in and there is so much discomfort in the the gray area because all of a sudden you're trying to think and act and be for yourself and I've been in in this kind of weird bubble before through various different kind of mini deaths and transformations and whatnot and um it's you also get the urge the urge to reach for your phone or to like go back to someone from a different community or like think, wait, 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 why did I do this in the first place? And it's like the ego's way of trying to like simmer down, simmer down, do what we're going to do, what we know, what we know is good. And, and, you know, another thing is like, you talked a lot about language and like how it's being weaponized. And the other issue with this, especially when it comes to like social justice with the language changing every five minutes, it's becoming more and more elitist. And like you think about the cause of social justice, you, you think about people in lower class, like you're not, they're not going to get this language and therefore it's elitist. And then there's these people who are like, get up to date, like, you know, if you say this, you're wrong. And it's like, aren't you fighting for the people who aren't available, who don't have access to this kind of language? And it's just, it's it's such a shit show, like, to be honest, when you when you really, really, really look at it. And you're right, you know, the only way to actually create real change, real tangible change, is when you start from within, and you work through your own patterns, and you drop, drop the narratives that people have so kindly served you all your damn life, and actually ask, what is it that you want? And with me in my kind of journey, I have uh, several kinds of chronic illnesses that I'm still working through. And the biggest shifts in my healing have been when I have dropped, dropped into my body and asked my body. I've literally asked my liver before, what the fuck do you want, bitch? And it's like, you need to cry because this happened to you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And it's just, it's such a crazy journey. And it's, and it's all, it all just boils down to that. 
that which is being authentic and you know what what you kind of talked about with them you can be religious and you can be authentic and you know you don't need to be this kind of you know sacrifice everything I like to think of opinions you know when it comes to ideologies or even just people like think of them as like clothes or like tea like tea let's go with tea and just sip them, you know, get to know if if you like them first. And like, do you like the taste? Because we live so long and we just, we accept, we accept. And, you know, I guess we only have a limit of like, how much can I like drop into my body? How much can I get to know this? But I think the more you do it and the more you get used to it, the quicker it is to actually realize, oh, is this authentic or is this a pattern, you know? Mm, that's yeah that's so good so good I I mean I really don't have anything to add to that because you just said it all so beautifully (laughs) (laughs) I mean honestly you did um I think the I'm really really admire what you're saying about connecting to your body and that's something that I hold space for on my podcast a lot is recognizing that often being in touch with our bodies is very uncomfortable and for people who have experienced a lot of chronic pain or they've experienced physical or sexual abuse or um you know, being in their body is very uncomfortable and associating with parts of their body or connecting with parts of their body is very, very uncomfortable. And so what they've done as a sort of way to protect themselves and to survive is they've stopped living in their bodies and they just like live in their heads all the time. And this is totally where I was at before I was 35. And that was a lot of the reason why I had this midlife unraveling experience was because I had shut my body up for so long and eventually it, it started screaming at me, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it didn't give me a choice. I had to listen because I was in all of this pain all of the time and I had Mm -hmm. to listen. And, um, it was just, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Yeah. So on the podcast, I just hold space for people a lot because Mm -hmm. they, I validate that it can be very difficult to be in your body. I validate that it can be annoying. It can be uncomfortable. It can be even more painful to be in your body. And so grabbing your phone or turning on the TV or, you know, zoning out in some other way is a way of dissociating from your body. And you've developed that response as a protective mechanism. And that's not to say that it's not okay to grab your phone or to watch TV sometimes. Like, absolutely. Sometimes you need to give yourself permission to zone out. Then that's Mm. okay. But if you're zoning out most of the time, if most of the time you're retreating into your head instead of being in your body, then your body is going to continue to talk and it'll talk louder and louder and louder until you finally listen to it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm dealing with a chronic pain issue now. For over a year, I've had this hip pain in my right hip and- I've seen a chiropractor and physical therapist and an osteopath, and I've done all kinds of stretches and I've tried strengthening and I've tried Pilates and I've tried all these different things. And this hip pain is just like not moving. And finally this week I was journaling and I've recently started, um, God, I'm really going to sound woo woo now. (laughs) I've recently started channeling, uh, a message from my they identified themselves as my the cast and the cast is my cosmically aligned support team <sighs> and that just came through this week last week actually and uh they came through and i was like okay i am apparently channeling like my spirit guides or something this is my support team in the spirit world 
Um, I really hope we haven't lost everyone in your audience by this point, but um, audience is super woo woo. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the cast, my cosmically aligned support team is like coming through and they shared with me that, um, in past lives, I have not stepped into taking risks and moving forward very easily. I've been like very trepidatious and like afraid to step forward and take risks. And I've also been very, very afraid of change. And that one of the things that I chose when I incarnated in this lifetime and I chose about this body was that whenever I wasn't moving forward and taking risks, that my body would tell me with pain. And oh my gosh, I'm so shook. Why? That's just like, that's just wow. I feel that. Like, I feel that for you. You know, when you get the truth tingles? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. got that real hard. Yeah. So, so they came through and they said, um, you know, you, you asked for this. Like, yeah. you're, not a, you're not a victim of this. You chose yeah. this when you chose this body. And you said that you wanted in this lifetime to learn to go with the flow better, to accept change, to step forward, and to take risks. And there have been things over the last year that I have not stepped forward in and I have not taken a risk with. And I know exactly what they are. And I've dug my heels in and I have been stubborn about it. And I have sort of like pushed it away and been like, nah, that'll go away, you know, whatever. (laughs) And it's still there. And I've had this hip pain for over a year. And my guides, the cast, were just like, you you told us to remind you with pain. Like you told us and you have this pain in your hip. And and but they also said, don't step forward and take risks to get the pain to go away. You've already spent enough time trying to fix this like your purpose is not to fix the pain your purpose is to step forward and take risks whether or not the pain goes away so rise above step above start watching the pain instead of being obsessed by it that's what they said (laughs) wow they know what they're talking about right like for real i've had like i've had really similar stuff i've like not so how would you say um like clear cut explicit but like just as an example as to like how I relate to you I was so ill last year and I was like much like you were at different points in your journey doing all the things I mean green smoothies I had done uh, so many ridiculous diets I even did vegan keto a vegan keto diet for a year yeah I know I, I tried everything. I had all, also all the like spiritual healing, Reiki healers and like all the good stuff, even quantum healing, hypnosis, you name it. And um, I was super, super ill. And um, I surrendered into my endometriosis for a week. Um, and I was struggling to walk at, at this stage. Um, even like I couldn't even hang up my washing without like needing to lie down. And all of a sudden, you know, it, I don't know it just came to me like someone just like drop a water droplet and it splashed all over my head and it washed this like clarity over my body and it was like you need to be for yourself like be for yourself instead of anyone else and I was like I like what does this even mean like I need to be for myself it was 
the representation of endometriosis is the lining of your womb spreading outside of the womb. And this was happening to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, the function of my womb, like holding space, being that nurturer, doing it for everyone except myself. And I was pushing, pushing myself to literally do so many things, be a mother to so many people. And I was in this like pattern of relationships where I was like always mothering my partner because he was not at my level, not emotionally mature. And I, my, I was spent. I was spent. And it was such a big, big week for me. And like, I, I've come such a long way. And that was literally only a year ago. And, you know, it's still to this day, like I, every time I get symptoms, I'm like, whoa, 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 where am I not holding space for myself? Mm. And I drop into that. I got chills. I got the truth tingles when you shared that, man. I, that was, <laughs> that was incredible. That was wow. And, and I just like, you know, I was only 35, three years, not even three years ago. I'll be 38 in like three weeks. Wow. So I'm not even 38 yet. And it hasn't been that much time for you. It hasn't been that mm -hmm. much time. Right. And I think our society has been conditioned to think that to be an expert in something, like you have to have done it for years and years <laughs> and you have to have gone to school for it and you have to have degrees in it and you have to have letters behind your name for it and certifications and all of these things. And this kind of shit that you and I are talking about right now, this is literally not something that we could go enroll ourselves in, in a school and learn. You know, this is not something that we're yeah. going to go get a degree in. This is like, this is guidance and wisdom that we have that is like coming through from mm -hmm. our spiritual support teams, wherever they are and whoever they are for us. And then we are able to take it put it out into the world and be like, this is my truth. This is who I am authentically. If this resonates with you, awesome. Come join me. Come be part of my community. <laughs> come to my party. <laughs> right. If, if you want to come to my party, everyone's invited. If my party doesn't sound like fun to you, awesome. You go have your party and I support you having as many people coming to your party as you want. And you don't have to cancel me for having my own party. Like we can both mm -hmm. have our party and nobody can get canceled, right? <laughs> yes, 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 Lindsay, so much. Um, so speaking of, you know, the education that we didn't get that is just mind boggling because everyone should know this kind of work. Um, I would love to ask you if you could give your younger self advice, what would it be? Listen to the inner voice. Listen, mm. listen to your intuition, that little nagging, niggling feeling, that soft voice that came through that was always asking questions, that was always trying to point you toward your true north and you tried to reorient yourself to be somebody else's true north. Like listen to that voice and she has a lot of wisdom for you. Like you have wisdom, be we all of us have wisdom beyond our years inside of us honestly, mm -hmm. if we just listen to that voice. And I didn't listen to her for a very, very, very long time. And until she was screaming at me <laughs> and, and now she doesn't have to scream anymore. Like now she barely has to whisper and I can hear her and I can pick her voice out of the voices of my doubts and other people's and other people's expectations and my own perfectionism and my own trauma. Like I can pick her voice out and it's so clear and, um, 
beautiful for me, but I didn't listen to it for a long time. So yeah, if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be listen to that, that inner voice, that little niggling feeling that you have. And that's what I'm trying to teach my daughter too. My daughter will be 16 um, this summer. And wow. Yeah. And since she was like 10, 11 years old, I've been trying to sort of groom her to listen to her intuition. And so, you know, anytime she's thinking about doing something or isn't sure if she wants to try something or do something, or if she makes a new friend, or if she's has a crush on someone or whatever it is, like, I always say like, well, what does your intuition say? Because I want her to start learning how to tune into that voice and listen mm. to herself before she listens to anyone else. Incredible, incredible. Lindsay, it is such an honor to be incarnated on earth at the same time as you. Same. <laughs> Change makers. Um, thank you so, so, so much. This episode has been absolutely incredible. Where can my listeners find you? Amazing. So I'm on Instagram. My handle is at I am Lindsay Lockett. Um, I also have a website, which is lindsaylockett.com. Currently, the only thing that lives on the website is podcast episodes. So you can listen to my podcast on my website. It's called the Holistic Trauma Healing Podcast. You can also find it anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts such as Spotify or iTunes. Um, And then as I said earlier, I'm working on a workshop right now. It's not done yet, but the workshop is going to be geared towards helping people understand the connection between their nervous systems and fundamentalist or cult-like ideologies so that they can start to excavate that, excavate the trauma around that, understand how their nervous system works, understand how to rise into their higher self instead of being controlled by their nervous system all the time, Mm -hmm. and also start to question and think for themselves and use their critical thinking skills. And um, that workshop, I'm hoping, hoping to launch it on May 11th, which is the next new moon. So that's my plan. And the workshop is called Actually, you can help me. I'm I'm debating between two names. I'd like to hear your opinion. <laughs> Go for so, it. Okay. So the first name of the workshop that I like is called Uncult Yourself. <laughs> and then the next name that I like is called Take Off Your Fundies. Oh my gosh. I love they're both really good names. I think huh. Uh, oh, they're both really, really good names. You have to do like a poll on your Instagram. I think I like take off your fundies. Um, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> it definitely tickles me. Okay. Yeah. I like that one too. That was my first, that yeah. was my first day take off your fundies. <laughs> if if you're listening to this and the, the workshop hasn't been named yet, DM me or Lindsay and tell us, tell us which name you like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, that workshop, I hope it'll be released um, May 11th. And um, it's going to be a live Zoom workshop. And anyone who signs up can come and they can attend live. And if they can't attend live, I will email them uh, the replay so they can watch it whenever they can attend or whenever they're able to. So that's what's in the works for me right now. Incredible. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's been Thank you, Sarah. This has been awesome. I know, I know. What an incredible episode. Mm. Truth tingles. Truth tingles all day long with this woman. So much love and respect for Lindsay Lockett. On the back of this episode, we recorded a Soul Deeper session exclusive to Soul Deep patrons only, all on her channeling of the cast. 
her spiritual support bubble, how she channels and what she channeled recently. She literally reads from her journal in this episode and it is such a beautiful guidance. Guidance that, you know, was not only applicable to Lindsay, but to everyone. To tell you the truth, I really needed to hear it. Um, And not only that, she only went and gone and did a coupon code for her trauma healing circle. So her trauma healing circle is part of her community and it's $15 a month with the Soul Deep coupon code. This is exclusive to Soul Deep patrons. And let me tell you, this price is so much lower than it is anywhere else for this kind of work and this sacred kind of community. So if that sounds like something that you would love to be a part of, and if that episode sounds like something that you really want to hear, then you can find the link in the show notes below to become a Soul Deep patron. And hey, if you love this episode, why not spread the love, share it, tag me, even just message me thoughts, feelings. I want to know. I want to know who's listening and what y'all are thinking. I am at souldeep.podcast on Instagram. And until next time, stay weird, stay funky, fresh, and don't let anybody tell you what to do except you with your life. That is the end of our episode, friends. Thank yourself and your soul for continuing to show up and tune in to Real Talk and Good Vibe podcasts like this. Don't forget, if you want exclusive access to the Soul Deeper sessions, click the link in the show notes below to become a Soul Deep patron and stay up to date with the show on Instagram. Until next time, remember you are a star wrapped in skin and nestled within your flesh and bones is everything that you need to feel.